We know that there's a brotherhood in the military, but does that extend all the way through? In our last episode, Reginald Colas talked to us about the inner workings of the military and what he sees as being a positive change for the future. If you haven't listened to that episode, I invite you to do it after you listen to this episode that we'll get into with Zay Day. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. My guest today is Zay Day Fisher. She, her, hers. She's a social justice warrior who works in community health as an educator with an emphasis on liberating black trans women. She's also the host of a brand new web series called Slay with Zay, where she provides 101 lectures revolving around the transgender community. In addition to that, she has a new podcast called Black to the Future, where she and her co-host, Mikey, converse about intersectionality through a black, queer, feminist lens. With these platforms, her goal is to dismantle white supremacy, annihilate racism, destroy transphobia, eradicate xenophobia, and demolish misogyny. Architect of equality, agent of justice, advocate for change, Zay Day Fisher. Hey, Zay Day, how are you? It is so good to have you on Diversity Dish today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it is my pleasure. So let's, and when we get started with our episodes, I usually like to get people to know my guests a little bit before we get into the old meat and potatoes and before we go out to, you know, left field. So oh. the first <laughs> so the first question I have for you is, what are you passionate about right now? passionate about at this current state in time. I am actually passionate very much about just liberation for my people. And that's everyone who's marginalized, but more specifically Black, trans women. I'm very passionate about that. I want that liberation. I want that equality and that equity, however it's going to show up in the world. So I'm very passionate about that, but also passionate about children. I really want to make sure that children have knowledge and power. I think that's what I'm most passionate about in this current existence. Nice. I love it. So would you say that your passion coincides with your superpower? And that's like, what is your superpower? Oh, okay. Definitely. I don't... Uh... Well, my superpower, let's see, I, if I had to select, I'll say mm -hmm. to select, I'm a very protective kind of person, like a, like a motherly figure, like in, within my friend circle, that's what they like to claim me as like, you're the matriarch of the group. And I'm like, fine, I'll be the old lady, but I'm going to protect everyone. And so I think my power would be force fields. 
I want to make sure that everyone within my within arm's reach, within my scope, within my being, I can protect them at any capacity. And obviously that's not possible because everyone, everyone has to experience something without my protection, without my shielding. It's like being a mother in real life. You have to stop protecting them. They have to go out and experience things. They have to learn things. So it's kind of like that. And I think that goes in tandem with the kids that I teach because I am a music teacher. So I, whenever I teach them, I'm always, you know, dropping little seeds in them, especially the young girls about what you can do, how you can do things. And you don't have to follow these rules and things of that nature and trying to just make sure that they're more knowledgeable and aware. So it's a, it's a way of me protecting them and shielding them by, by arming them with knowledge because the best offense is a good defense. So if you have knowledge, you can be more offensive and protect yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's as as a mom, I concur 100%. One of the things I tell people all the time is I'm not raising children. I'm raising people. I'm raising I'm raising people who are going to go out into the world and be adults. And right. so my job is to protect them, make sure that they get to that but to also equip them with the information and the the tools they need to go out there and be you know, good humans in this world. So I fully understand when you say, you know, let's just, let's give them some knowledge. Let's shield them with knowledge, which is a beautiful thing. Shielding with knowledge. It's also like arm them with knowledge. I get, I think it's the same thing, but I like the defense aspect better because uh, arming means like you're going to attack or or use your knowledge to harm somebody. I, I prefer, you know, the defensive aspect of it where I know things to this and I can critically think for myself using my knowledge that what they're saying isn't exactly true perhaps they don't know so that's what they use their force field superpower knowledge that I give them I guess (laughs) I like that I like that that's true I agree with you I I agree that's beautiful now now we're going to transition a little bit. And um, even though we got into the conversation already, but what is something that has happened to you that people would find unbelievable, but that has happened? Oh, I'm uh, as particularly as a black trans woman. Gosh, I, you know, I'm, I will be frank that I've had the power and the privilege to not had too many harms come from that direction. I think I've been very privileged. And so I try to make sure I always tell people that because there are girls, there are black trans women who have been disowned from their families because they know who they are and they're trying to actively act on it without harm coming their way, but inevitably because people in their family may not be knowledgeable or aware or equipped with the information to handle raising this kind of person, a trans person, they have been exiled from the family and things of that nature. And I, I, I haven't had that experience and I've, I'm very grateful, but there are other girls, you know, aside from that, once you're on your own as, you know, a teenager or even a young adult, a multitude of things take place. You might have to resort to things like survival sex work, you know, in order to make the ends meet. And I know that's something that some of the girls that I'm friends with have done. And so I think those things 
particularly the dismissal from the family and that the exile of that of that person from the family is probably one of the worst things. But I think for me at the crux of it is that one of my parents, my father in particular, hasn't taken the time to truly understand who I am. And I think that's just a privilege that I have. I haven't had any damaging things, but having my father not be able to take the time to understand exactly who I am and what I do in this world, even as a young child, I think that was a lot more damaging. So I'm grateful that I'm blessed and privileged in that way, but let it be known (laughs) that that this is not everyone's, ex- every girl's experience. Correct. There's, there are a lot of experiences out there and I can, I can only imagine because I cannot walk in your shoes uh, because we did talk, we spoke a little bit about intersectionality in the other episode and that's an intersection that I don't have, right. but we all carry so many different ones. Mm-hmm. And they all bring, you know, different experiences. So I can totally see that there would be different stories for each person because we're all, we're all unique. We're all unique and we have unique um, circumstances that happen. But when did you, when did you know who you were? <laughs> wow. I, I think the, I think I knew early on, except the availability of language was mostly the problem. And now we have this language that most people are going to kind of avoid because I guess it makes them have to think about stuff. And unlike most people, and unlike most people, I like to think. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. That's weird. But I I think I knew very early on, but I just didn't have the language. So the gravitation towards what you would consider very feminine or girly type things like Barbie dolls, you know, or one of my favorite childhood TV shows that some people may remember, Sailor Moon, which is, you know, a Japanese anime about a girl and she transforms and it's magical and it's beautiful. Like, baby, I would be at my house spinning as a child. I would be living my best life. (laughs) Um, and, And more so than that, I just didn't know exactly how to collaborate and work and be amongst boys. It was really interesting. And so... And then we add the intersection of blackness into there. And this was like the, you know, the 90s time period. Masculinity, particular black masculinity, I feel like was on this rise because the early 2000s was very restricting even more. So I think that black masculinity was on the rise, the, on rise you know, the big t-shirts, the oversized everything, you know, mm. the, all of that. And so me, I'm spinning and dipping and twirling and I'm with all the girls and it's like, well, what's happening with your child over there? And so that adds another insult to injury. Again, I didn't have the language. So once I got older and then feelings start to happen of I'm attracted, then I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I need to be over here kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. as opposed to some people who are trans will go straight from their assigned gender upon their birth to the gender that they know that they are. You know, they don't do any like what I would consider like a detour or a, a small step. But mm-hmm. I just so I, I for a little period of time, I uh, identified as a gay man because I related to that. It was like, oh, well, I'm someone who likes a, who likes men. Great. OK, I can this. This is all lining up or so I thought <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was and this is terrible, but 
I think one day I saw the show Jerry Springer and that opened the door for here are people who were born this way and now they're this way. Granted, you know, the audience reaction was terrible. Mm, but I, I can imagine. Right. But I was very um, enamored and enthralled by like these women who were on this show. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I would literally try to watch it as frequently as I could. And I related to it, but I just couldn't pinpoint why. I went through most of my early 20s and things trying to navigate, well, maybe I am a woman, but, but I don't know. But I don't know what that looks like. And, you know, again, representation was far few in between. So I kind of struggled with it. And then after a very crucial moment in my life, very important breakup, I was like, this is what I need to do. I know who I am. I've done my own internal research. I've internalized and gone within myself. I know what I need to do. So just despite all the detouring <laughs> and the roundabout way, I always knew on some level, I just didn't have the language, I would say. Okay, wow. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I never thought about the language. Mm-hmm. That was that wouldn't be something that I would think about. I would just think that and and having to say, okay, I think that I'm I'm attracted to boys, so this is what I must be. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, it sounds to me like you the the language that was available and the I if you would quote unquote the acceptable or the the vision of what you were supposed to be was that and so you just said okay well since this is out there then I must be that and I I think it's I think that's significant I think that that's really interesting but then you were able to find your way I think it was really I think it's great that you were able to find your way because I think there are people who still struggle who you know who struggle long after like into many many years you know Yes, you you've been able to to pinpoint it so that's I've I'm so happy for you but I'm I'm really happy that there's more information out there to give kids the language Mm -hmm. and the opportunity to see themselves representation matters yeah representation is definitely important and so I, 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 I think I harp on that quite a bit within my own um, advocacy because I always think about myself because not only am I a music teacher, but I work in community health and um, making sure people in my community, specifically Black queer people, are being taken care of and things of that nature. But I think it's important that as Black queer people, we are constantly recreating recreating and revamping language and access and resources for the younger kids. So things will be easier. I think we should be doing that in general as a people, as a human race, specifically the ones that are pushed to the margins, you know, like black people and then queer people and then women, of course. So we have to make sure that we are taking care of that. And so one of the things that I wish to do, maybe sometime when I get older, (laughs) is have, you know, a clinic where you know, Black queer children of some sort, whether they're trans or not, can come and they can say, this is happening to me, what's happening? And maybe their parents can come and we can all learn. And then, you know, you're speaking to someone who has lived this experience. So it makes it easier. So 
And I, I, I just want to be able to do that. I'm one day, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Well, you have a web series called Slay with Zay. Yes. Um, Tell us yeah. a little bit about your web series. Yeah, so on YouTube, um, I just released it. It's just starting. I've got plenty of episodes and plenty of thoughts lined up. But it's called Slay with Zay, and you all can search for it out there. Absolutely. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the information in the show notes so that people can find it very easily. But go ahead. And so on my show, I'm literally trying to go over the basics that is being a transgender person. And so my very first episode is called episode one, transgender. And so what I inherently do is break down the word. What does it mean? And how does it, how does it fit into your life? Because even if you're not a transgender person, it's still going to be in your realm. And even if, and you should also just know it because we exist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Um, not that you have to know everything about everyone or the world itself or anything like that, but chances are at some point you've met a transgender person and you just didn't know it. You've shared space with the transgender person and you just weren't aware. You've spoken to us, all that kind of stuff. So I want to kind of break down the very fibers of what it means. You know, what I like to call trans 101. So like college lecture. <laughs> yes. College lecture type of ideas. And so sometimes they can get a little bit long-winded, but because the ideas are so closely intertangled, you have to kind of get in there with a fine tooth comb and kind of pull everything out because everyone doesn't have the knowledge or the access and some people are looking for like a, someone else who's done that work to be able to explain it to them and I'm okay with doing that as an educator but I know other people are kind of like no use your googles we don't want to do it for you <laughs> but I guess like some people unlike some people I have the time and I want to be able to help so you know breaking down the word so transgender just an example so the word trans of course, means across or to move across. And then, of course, gender is a, a societal kind of standard we've used to base, you know, biological sex on, in a way. It's a, a set of rules that you have to follow. So women do this and men do this. So, you know, trans to go across. So you go across from one gender to the other, or you move from one part of the spectrum that's gender from the masculine side to the more feminine side. You may not do a full, you know, air quotes, 180. <laughs> you right. may not do a full switch around, like I'm a woman, now I'm a man, or a man, now I'm a woman. But there may be some gray area in the middle. And I go more into that because I want people to recognize that, you know, there's not just the black and white. It's not just this binary system. People exist on, off, adjacent to however they want to show up in the world. And we have to be ready for those people when they enter our space. And I wanted to create this web series so that people can hear from someone who is trans, who doesn't, of course, speak for everybody. I don't speak for everybody. I do not do that. Right. I use the consensus of what most of us are saying in these higher levels where we're kind of like, this is what we need. This is how we need to operate in these kind of fashions in order for people to understand us. So that's the work that I'm doing with my web series, Slate would say. Love it. Love it. Educating an educator, always educating. I love it. <laughs> I also know that you recently started a podcast, right? Black I to the Future. Black to the future. Yes, I sure did. I love that name. It's so fun. <laughs> oh, God. 
love catchy things, especially puns and stuff like that and things that rhyme and, you know, anything because we're adults. We're nothing but big kids. So we like stuff that makes us go like, ah, you know, it's like the <laughs> shaking in front of us. So Slay with Zay rhymes. So I was like, that's easy. And then, you know, Black to the Future. Every, most people, I would say, know that film or at least sounds kind of like, that sounds familiar. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Black to the Future is a podcast that I started with my uh, one of my best friends. Shout out to Mikey. I love you so much. Um, and he is a Black gay man. And we have very similar thought processes about things, but we are different. So that's why I wanted to have another person on there. So we can have this dialogue about how we feel about things. So we basically are on this show to two social justice warriors, as it would say, uh, dismantling systems of oppression like white supremacy, transphobia, homophobia, racism, xenophobia, all the isms, all the phobias. Get rid of all mm. of them. <laughs> they all go. of them. Take them all out right. to the curb. <laughs> so we talk about those things and we've got about four, five, six episodes. So we started, we're starting off kind of general and then we're going to kind of get a little bit more narrow and start picking at the, the fine parts of, again, going in with that fine tooth comb and getting those kinks out. We're going in like, yes. Yeah. And we're just seeing a black queer feminist womanist kind of lens to kind of zoom in on this intersection of where we reside in the world and how we see things. Right, right. Because it's a different lens. It's a different lens. Yes. Mm -hmm. If we're sitting here, let's say we all get out from the shadow of Rona (laughs) (laughs) at some point. (laughs) And I get to meet you in person and we're having a drink and we're having a happy go lucky good time because we are celebrating something what is it that we're celebrating do you think oh god um well I'm a terrible extrovert (laughs) are you really that's awesome I no well it depends but (laughs) I I I love to go out and do stuff um so I guess I would be I don't know just celebrating life and happiness it's so it sounds so vague but those are the things, especially after, if Miss Rona's over, oh, baby, I'm going to go out there and do backflips and cartwheels and I can't even do them. <laughs> but I would be celebrating that I get to be with my people freely without the fear of these, these things taking place or people getting ill or that kind of stuff. We should be mindful of those things all the time. But now that it's been stripped away from us, we're kind of like, all right. As soon as this is over, we're going to definitely start having more gratitude and appreciating things. So I kind of have that mentality that when I'm with my favorite people, this is a time to be cherished and celebrated. So I'm, like I said, I'm the mom of the group, I guess. <laughs> so I'm the one taking pictures and living life and, and Snapchatting everything and putting it on Instagram because they make fun of me. But then everybody comes back and says, you got that picture. You got that would just be celebrating life and just being happy that we get to exist because we don't know how long especially now that Ms. Rona has showed up and come out (laughs) Mm. do not know how long we have to exist on this plane so just being in people's presence some of the best moments I have is just literally 
cackling, crying with my best friends. So that's what I would be celebrating if we were together. I, I will celebrate that too. I'll be all up in it. <laughs> I just... Living my best life. That is a fact. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. So I know that your goal, because I'm, uh, I'm looking at your, your bio that I read at the beginning, mm-hmm. is that you want to dismantle white supremacy, annihilate racism, destroy transphobia, eradicate xenophobia, and just demolish misogyny. And you, so I want to know when you look into the future, what do you see yourself doing? I know right now you're a teacher, a music teacher, but when you, and you've got this podcast and you also have Slay with Zay, but mm-hmm. when you look into the future, what do you see yourself doing? When it comes to these systems of oppression and removing them from our world, I really genuinely, I think I referenced this earlier, is establishing a place for children to seek refuge that Mm -hmm. are those marginalized groups, like, you know, any child can be welcome, but I think I want to really shine a light on the Black queer children because the scrutiny of white supremacy on black people and then the scrutiny of, you know, transphobia and homophobia on the queer children at that intersection is just hazardous. So being able to have a clinic or a place where they can seek refuge and get knowledge and arm themselves, I definitely want to be able to do that. But in tandem, I'm someone who's obsessed and fascinated with music. You know, after 20 years, I think I know a thing or two about music (laughs) so (laughs) even in the music lessons that I teach currently like I mentioned before is that I drop little dimes especially on the younger the younger girls to make sure that they're knowledgeable and aware and if I just so happen to have a black student I take extra pride in that and making sure they understand without you know harping or being very specific like don't do this or don't do that but it's kind of like a little a nudge in the right direction. You should think about it like this. You should try this. So, you know, like Whitney said, I believe the children are the future. <laughs> okay. So I work on that because children are so easy. And, I, and I'll use an example. I've been teaching kids for seven years, roughly or so, since I finished my degree. And some of the kids literally, I, 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 get, I began my transition in 20... 16 roughly 2016 and so I started teaching kids in 2014 so some of the kids I still have been teaching since 2014 to 2016 or 20 to 2020 to this present day so some of the kids have literally watched me transition and move away from what I previously identified as to the woman that I am now so and when I you know once the transition was you know air quotes complete or where I felt comfortable to a place where I was presenting as a woman all the time and having to just have the conversation with the parents and they were okay with it but then after a year of time I come back to the kids and I say so how do you feel about this and they say oh, well, I didn't even think about it. They're, they're so simple in the fact. And so I would ask, so I think one, like one week we would have a lesson and then the next week their parents would have the conversation with them and they would come back and use the right pronouns. They would say the right name 
all that kind of stuff. And these are kids between the ages of nine all the way up to 17-ish. So that's my range that I teach as far as kids are concerned. And so the fact that kids can just turn on a dime and just flip like that just goes to show that the access and the, the knowledge or available to them, which I'm so grateful for, but that kids are very smart. And more so than that, they have a simplified thought process about it. They said, oh, well, she used to be a man. Well, now she's a woman. Great. Now what's next? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Foster children. I think that's the most important thing because, you know, once we're gone off of this plane, they will still be here existing. And if they can't collaborate and get along, then what's it defeats the purpose. That's what I want to do. I think that's just my life as an educator. I love that. That's the, mm. the children are the future, you know, mm. but the children are the present. I think that when you work with children, when you have children and you're open to understanding that they have ideas and that they understand things, Mm-hmm. they can help us all, like we help each other they help right. you understand things in their simplest form because right. sometimes as adults we just overcomplicate things we just make things way too difficult or way too ridiculous for whatever reason and kids are just like like you said oh he was a man and now she's a woman okay well all right I can, I can accept that and I can move on. Yeah. It's no skin off their back. They don't care. It's, I think it's just more along the lines of like, this didn't impede on my life. So I'm going to just keep going and just say what they said, because I'm pretty sure they know themselves better than I know them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that um, adults a little bit of a lesson from children you know not to say that all children are going to have this mentality because you know you some adults immediately impose their thoughts and opinions on children very quickly and that's have kids who unfortunately trigger warning they you know they take their own lives because they're being bullied and being mistreated and things like that because their parents or the media or the people that surround them say this is bad. Don't do this. And so when they see kids who are doing air quote, those things, they are going to say, well, you're this and you're that and you're these things. And for me personally, as a child, I using the word gay as Mm -hmm. something derogatory or offensive at the time was damaging for me because I was thinking to myself, I don't even know what that word means. And you're calling Mm -hmm. me something that I don't even know what that means. And now I'm like, afraid to act or afraid to move. I haven't even had a, a, a sexual desire, so to speak, at this point, but you already are calling me something mean or derogatory. So you've learned that from somewhere and it's just the parents who've had lack of, or sur- their surrounding forces who've had um, lackluster experience where they have their own thoughts and opinions and they're imposing them on the children. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. You know, I, I'm hopeful because I see differences you know my son is a freshman in high school and you know he'll come and say oh yeah my friend she's gay you know she likes girls I'm like oh okay and and he just keeps it moving and we just keep it moving it's like that's that is a normal that's a normal thing you know where he'll say oh my other friend you know is bi and we're like okay and, and then I said to him, and what about you? What, what do you feel you are? And he says, I feel that I'm hetero. Mm-hmm. 
okay. Everybody's okay. There's yeah. nothing wrong with any of you. So keep it moving, right? And I, I, that wasn't a conversation that I would have had when I was his age. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, I agree. And I love that you're able to have that conversation. And then more so than that, that he feels comfortable enough to come to you and have that dialogue. Because I know me personally, I was like, uh-uh, we're, no, no, we're not having conversation nope nope and so it's mostly because I didn't even know how to begin to even have that conversation because I just was on the on the queer side but you know just the fact that he's able to say oh my friends are this and I and I am this and you're able to take that and you know and internalize it and say okay well I'm okay with that but even if you weren't, you should kind of start as a parent or a guardian or whoever, you should start asking yourself, why am I not okay with this? Exactly. That's the question. Why am I not okay with this? And so I think that people are afraid to ask that question. One of my favorite questions in the world is why? Mm-hmm. And so I think people are afraid to ask themselves, why is this not okay for me? Why is this bad to me or something like that? Right. Why do I see this as bad or why, why am I having a reaction? And I feel that that also is something that people need to ask. You know, I tell people when we're talking about diversity, equity, or inclusion, I say, if you're having a reaction to something that someone has told you, you need to examine, you step back and examine why you feel that way. What is it that is making you feel that way? Because it's not, necessarily what they've said it's chances are it's something that you've internalized that you have in your mind that is making you react this this type of way and you have to deal with it because they don't know they don't know what you have you've experienced right they don't know what you've gone through your life and then you don't know what they've gone through in their lives so if everyone's just assuming and jumping to conclusions my mother always used to say if you're assuming it makes a blank out of you and me so that's right <laughs> I, um i i yeah so i try not to assume things but I, uh, it's it's and when it when it specifically when it comes to being a trans woman i think that gender is so stratified particularly in our country so for someone to say I don't align with this because my brain chemistry says this and otherwise. So this is how I actually feel about who I am. It doesn't align with what I was told I was at birth. And so because kids see things such in a black and white kind of frame of reference, uh, you kids know who they are around the age of two, three, not two, excuse me, around three, four, five, six, when they start interacting more with the world and seeing things and internalizing what gender is. And they will automatically kind of gravitate towards what it is for them, depending on their surroundings. Some people will praise it and some people will ignore it and other people will disapprove of it. And so that plays a factor into the situation, but everyone knows kind of who they were from the beginning, just like people who are cisgender. For yourself, you knew I'm a woman, or in that case, I was a young girl. And when I grew up, I still felt like that was congruent with who I am. Mm -hmm. So for trans people, they know who they are, but because the system is binary and very black and white, 
you know, they're kind of doing this dance of like, but they told I'm told me I'm this, and you know, listening to your uh, guardians and parents and authoritative figures, they're telling you you're this. So it's this uh, dissonance or this disconnect that's happening. So it's like, how do I maneuver? How do I get through this? knowing who I am, but everyone else apparently knows me better than me, kind of question. <laughs> right, and that's the thing, right? Everybody knows me better than me. I learned a long time ago, especially with having kids, I learned a long time ago that you have to allow them to express themselves. You have to allow them to, and, and however that is, where you go to go shopping, you have an idea in your head about how you want to see your child dressed and -hmm. they have a completely other idea and you need to allow them to explore that because they're still exploring. They're still learning about who they are and your idea of who they are is not the same as their idea of who they are, you know? So I, I learned that a long time ago because I'm very aware that I don't want to project Mm -hmm. my fears or my, just what I need for myself onto my kids. I need to be okay myself for me. They need to be okay themselves for them. And so I think sometimes parents have a hard time with that. Yeah. Sometimes they wanted something that they didn't have when they were kids. So now they project and want their kids to have that. And the kids are like, I, I don't know. I, no, I, this is not, I, what is this? Right. But the parents, they feel so strongly about it. Then they get offended when the kid pushes back on it, but it's not the, their fault. It's the parents fault. You need to figure yourself out. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I agree. And I'm not a parent. Let me let me clarify that. I may teach kids and I may interact with them very frequently, but I'm not someone's parent. I would love to be someone's mother. That would be just beautiful one day. But I don't I don't have children, so I can't tell someone how to raise their children. But you have to remember what I is that you're when you create a life and it comes into existence it may have come from you and this other part, this other person together. You may have created this, this being, but that's a separate being. That's not you two people. No, it may have come from your DNA and blah, 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 blah. And the convergence of that, but that's an individual being. And that being is going to have their own trajectory, their own life, their own pattern. And, you know, you really have to let them be because at the end of the day, do you want to keep, trying to force what you want upon them, like probably your parents did, or are you gonna let them experience life the way that they see fit? Now, and I do understand that there are parents who, and this is this is this is why I, I'm not so harsh on parents per se, is because there's a reason that parents don't want their children to be some kind of queer person or some kind of trans person, because they know in this country it's not permissible particularly when it comes to being trans, they know it's going to, it's going, it's, it's air quote bad. And they know that it's challenging and they know that it's hard and they don't want their child to have a harder, challenging life, especially if you have other conflicting intersections like being black or something like that. So, you know, I understand that fear behind that, but when you signed up to have a child, 
you don't get to pick and choose exactly what takes place. So when that child comes to you and says, this is how I feel, you have to start doing the work as a parent. And this goes for everyone. If you meet someone, you have to start doing the work internally, like researching, finding things out, um, seeking aid, people who specialize in there, there are doctors, there are uh, psychiatrists and not, not psychiatrists, but psychologists and clinicians, all kinds of people you can access now. Even people of the same faith who believe that trans people deserve to exist and things like that. Whatever your conflict is about this child coming to you and, and self telling you this information or this grown adult, <laughs> you can go and you can talk to someone who has that knowledge in the same field as you and who believes the same thing as you do that this person or this child deserves to be happy and healthy. So they're, and particularly their child but you're a grown adult. So you should be trying to do that work to figure those things out. That's what I think at least. I agree with you. Absolutely. You've got you've to do your work mm -hmm. in light of what is presented to you. Mm -hmm. Right? You, your child is not an extension of you. Your child is themselves. <laughs> and that's sometimes uh, something that um, as parents I can see some people have a hard time with that the child is not an extension of you the child is themselves you are yeah. here to help them honestly when when my son was was young i i was like my only job is to keep this kid alive because he's just trying to kill himself like <laughs> <laughs> get off of there stop jumping there i can already see i can already see him. yes uh, but then at the same time you know, and he's that young and he's just exploring life and he's just living his life. In my mind, I'm going, I cannot project my fears on him. I cannot stop him from doing certain things because of my fears. Now, if he's about to, you know, jump off of something and really hurt himself, that's one thing. But if I'm not allowing him to say, you know, I, I remember when my son was about three, we took him to the, the town pool. And that's a kiddie pool. He doesn't know how to swim. So we're in the water with him and he just keeps diving under the water. He keeps diving under the water and then he knows that we're going to pull him out. So mm -hmm. he's waiting for us to pull him out and diving into the water. Now my husband is a swimmer. He was a swimmer from seventh grade to through the 12th grade. So he's a, he's a good swimmer. So I turned to my husband after we get out of the pool and we're sitting there. I'm like, so do you think we need to get him some floaties or like a, a vest? He's like, no. I was like, no. He's like, no. He says he needs to just learn how to maneuver in the water and not expect something else to, to, to float him. So he just needs to do it that way. And in my head, I'm not a swimmer. I swim. I can keep myself afloat. But in my non-swimmer head, I'm like, but that's my baby. And we're just going to put him in the water. But honestly... <laughs> right but that was my fear right that was my anxiety that I was then trying to project onto him and I didn't want him I didn't want him to be fearful of anything right so I had to deal with myself internally and be like he's gonna be okay he's gonna be fine so now it turns out I have three very strong swimmers in my house and not one of them is me <laughs> Right. I say here, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna sit, but I'm I'm the traditional black girl at the pool. I'm here to look cute. Don't throw me in. The I'm taking pictures. That's it. 
So I, I understand, but yeah, that that's that that internal work. And so even if something as light as swimming, you had to go within yourself and say, I need to stop being afraid. I need to relax. I need to figure out what my problem, my issue is. I don't want him to get hurt. That's understandable. But at the same time, he has to learn what's happening in the world. You know, not that he needs to know, not that he needs to know all the ups and downs backwards and forwards and how water will get in your lungs and you'll suffocate, not all that, but he needs to understand that this is gonna be a little bit challenging, but enjoy it while you do it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they, they're all stronger swimmers than me, but they, that would not have happened had I pushed back on my husband and said, no, I will not watch my child go into that water like that. He needs to, you know, instead I was like, okay, you know, this I'm learning this and I'm realizing that it is my own fear that I am now projecting. So now I need to pull that rein that in and allow things to happen. So, but you know, it's, it's a learning process. And I think that it's a learning process for everything, right? Correct. If I'm going to be candid, I don't know that I knew anyone that was trans when I was growing up. Mm. They may have been, but I didn't know because right. that wasn't something that was talked about. That wasn't something that was out there, right? Mm. So, but does that mean that now I should be like, no, 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 I I don't think so. I think that we all have to kind of learn and grow and go, hey. And and I I think that's the thing is that I I was actually speaking to someone online. And so not that I go back and forth and argue with people because I don't have that kind of spirit or that kind of energy or that kind of time. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Baby, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. But I'm only going to speak to people who have a willingness to listen. That's what I'm after. That's what I say too. I plant seeds and you can do with what you want after that. If you're going to water it or nurture it, that's, that's on you. But after I say what I have to say, I'm out that jam. (laughs) But (laughs) there was just someone I was talking to. And so they would use the terminology of like, well, I like you, but you're not a regular girl. You're not a normal girl. You're not a real girl. You know, Mm -hmm. all that air quotes and so the way to um stop invalidating transgender people is not to call cisgender people who are assigned at birth as being a, a woman and then they grow up or girl and they grow up to be human. they stay congruent but we have a, a not so congruent path like me i grew i was born a boy child and then i grew up and i was like oh i'm a woman this is who i am and i'm comfortable with that so i find my congruence later on whereas cisgender people are congruent from the very beginning so Mm -hmm. and well at the end of the day we both end up being women and so instead of calling cisgender women you know real or normal and and stop to not make trans women feel invalidated in that you can call them cisgender because that's the word that we should be using and we should be normalizing it's not a, a derogatory term or it's not rude or anything like that but it was created in the 1990s to help balance that idea out. So 
people who were trans could come into a facility to see a, a physician and say, I'm actually a transgender woman or a transgender man or however they identified. So they won't have to say, well, you're real. So on the table, I'm going to rock, rock, mark real or normal or whatever. It was just in an effort to stop invalidating our experience so they can have accurate data and information that we use now to this day. So I was speaking to this person and they said, well, I don't want to use that word. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And, and you know how you just kind of smile and nod and go, all right, Jesus, all right. <laughs> so, you know, you do the full Viola Davis, you look down, grab your purse and you get up and you leave. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not gonna try to sit here and try to explain to someone, you know, I mean, people are willing to listen and I do have a web series that does explain what cisgender means, um, one of the episodes. But that's for people who have a willingness to listen and to understand. But if you if you come into my DMs on Instagram and you ask me and I start to explain and you just flat out say, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to know any more new terms. You know, none of those words seem real to me. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to stop myself right here because you have a you have a, um, a disconnect that hasn't been worked out yet. Once you mm -hmm. work out that disconnect and you can come back and have a conversation with once you figure out that cisgender and transgender, non-binary and gender queer and all those terms and stuff like that are valid and true and real, then we can come back and have a conversation about what it is. But that's the work that you have to do. I don't have to sit there and explain it to you. That's not, that's not, a, oh, what's the word? That's not the work that I need to be doing, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As I say that all the time, I'm like, I'm not here to argue with people who are just not ready. Clearly, mm -hmm. your soil has not been tilled yet. It's still hard. Hello. So I can't plant a seed there. Right. You know, I can I can only say what I can say. And then mm -hmm. you can take it or leave it. You can either let that seed, maybe open up your soil and let that seed in. Or you could just blow that seed away and just keep it moving. Either mm -hmm. way, no skin off of me because I don't have the time or the energy to do that because it's, it's, um, it's a losing battle. Yeah. It's and a losing battle. It's, it's draining and it's taxing. It's kind of similar to the thing where white people will ask, well, what can we do to make it better for Black people? It's like, well, let me start by saying that you should say these things and you should try doing these things. And they say, well, I don't know. And you immediately become combative back. You're, you're, you're not ready to receive that information. So I'm not gonna argue with you and go back and forth. It just defeats the purpose. And I want black people to specifically hear me when I say this, especially black cis, cisgender heterosexual men is that you have to, I know you that you're going through oppression. I know that you're going through trauma. I know that you're going through things, but you still have a certain level of hierarchy and privilege in the country. And you have to be able to go with, with, within inside yourself and you have to go outside of your, and then go outside of yourself and do research. Just because you Google transgender doesn't mean that you're attracted to us. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> That's how it works. And so, you know, just because you Google it or just because you watch my YouTube series or just because you follow me on Instagram doesn't make you a 
you know, a trans amorous or a trans attractive man. You're trying to understand, you're trying to gain more knowledge. And that's what you should be doing as a human being, because as time goes on, we discover more and more new things. What do they say? Like only like 30% of the, like the Pacific ocean or whatever ocean has been discovered. Mm. We have a more to figure out. Are you going to rebuke that evidence when it comes out too? Like that's weird. <laughs> So let's figure these things out. So, um, and for black, cisgender, heterosexual women, I do want to make sure that I say that you all are doing great work. However, make sure that you're not being complicit when trans people are being made fun of or some kind of negative rhetoric is being spread around because that ultimately makes you know, black men lash out and be angry and vengeful towards how they may particularly, just in case they are attracted, they may get vengeful and, and things like that because they're being, they're being oppressed by, you know, white supremacy and other things of that nature. And then they have black women, they need to be doing this and this and this and this upholding toxic masculinity. So all these imposing forces and then a cisgender black women may say things that are hazardous or snicker or laugh or say these kind of things about black trans women and then we end up having years like this year which one of the most deadly records that we've recorded that we know of where black trans women have been murdered because all of this pressure particularly you know it's always the men that end up murdering us but that's how it takes place you know all that societal pressure is going to explode at some point and mm -hmm. so it man hasn't done the work and if other people outside of him haven't done the work and then they're all pushing in on himself and so when he decides to act on it and he feels a certain kind of way it kind of like bounces back and explodes out and so in order to save himself he harms the girl that he may be attracted to or may just come in contact with or whatever yeah yes and I've, you know, I've heard some of those jokes too. And I go, that's just, that's not even funny. Like, why is that funny? But I, I do know of what you speak and mm -hmm. it's, um, it is detrimental. It is very toxic. And like you said, put with the, the toxic masculinity, the, the hyper masculinity, if you will, where it's like, I mean, and that's why, you know, I mean, love is love, right? You right. attracted to who you're attracted to <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's, that's who it is. But society tells you right. that's, that's bad or that's wrong or you shouldn't, that's not where you should be and da, da, da. And then when you allow that to be, to, to, to sink in instead of examining yourself and saying, no, I, this is the person that does it for me. This is the person that rocks my world, right? Mm -hmm. You lash out and you, destroy something that could be beautiful because everybody else is saying something right so. and yeah it's crazy and again I have this privilege and this luxury where I may have put myself in a couple of situations but they like they say in the church but God <laughs> girl I know that <laughs> I made it through and I have that luxury and that privilege to be blessed to not have these issues. And so we just need to do a better job of having these conversations. And it's, I want to also say that the LGBTQIA+, if you don't know all those letters, you should go ahead and do a quick Google search. They, every letter will pop up and they will tell you what it means. But... <laughs> 
we're we're not so you know people are very afraid to talk about us like we're the alphabet people like you know you can't talk about us without backlash or drama and things like that but the one thing that I will say is that because we're so marginalized and people haven't done the research and the time and the work to figure us out the little jokes and the things that trickle down eventually do cause harm to us so we can't do that it's like it's like blackface back in the olden days. It wasn't taken seriously. Black people weren't taken seriously. That's why they could have been, you know, again, trigger warning, they could be hanged and all kinds of other stuff like that because it wasn't taken seriously. So this is the same thing where it's like, it's not taken seriously. Once we become more normalized, which we should be, but mm -hmm. more normalized, it may be easier to pass these off as real jokes because they don't trickle down and directly affect our community. Well, thank you for sharing that because that's why we're here to have these conversations so people can become enlightened, to have the conversations about things that sometimes you don't have a conversation about. So somebody may want to have a conversation about it, but they don't know who to talk to, but then they listen to the podcast and they go, oh, okay, 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 right? It answers oh. a few questions for them. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Ooh, so is there anything, because we've had a really good conversation, is there, any, is there anything that I did not ask that you would have liked for me to ask and that you would like to answer right now or share? There's, there's always something else, you know, <laughs> that's one of my brother's favorite sayings is it's always something, you know, <laughs> so. It's kind of hard to pinpoint and exactly pick out something, but I think the only thing that I would just want to kind of say is that you have to believe people when they tell you who they are because they live in that body, they live in that experience, they know themselves better than you know them. You know, even if you're best friends, they, trust me, they, they spend, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 with themselves. Mm. They probably know themselves a little bit better. So just believe them when they say who they are. And then if you don't understand, do research, Google things, pick up a book. And this is not just pertaining to trans people or queer people. This is pertaining to anything. Like, I don't know much, much about the Muslim faith, but if I wanted to know, I would go speak with someone who does know more about it or they live that in that life or that faith or I would read a book regarding it who's someone who studied it things of that nature so do the same thing become more enlightened become more knowledgeable because remember knowledge is power and it's not going to harm you to know more information so you'll be able to put it into your mental computer base and say, oh, well, this is what I know to be true because this is what I've read and this is what I've researched. As opposed to, I think. <laughs> I think very far, honey. You gotta know stuff. And there's a reason why, you know, just for black people specifically, there's a reason why when we were brought over, they didn't want us to have knowledge. So make sure that you access knowledge to become a stronger in better individual within yourself and then as a result it'll permeate out to the community at large yes it will absolutely you are on point thank you for sharing that so my last question that i like to ask everybody because this is diversity dish is mm -hmm. what is your favorite dish i'm talking about food 
to eat. Oh, baby. Okay. So <laughs> I don't, I, and see, I am, I'm that, I'm that normal girl where it's like, where they ask me, what do you want to eat? And I go, I don't know. And then you list like 5,000 things and I just, no, I, no, I don't know if I want that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I give all of that. But let me see, let me see, let me see. Um, I think it is, I love uh, Latinx food. So like burritos and tacos. I love that kind of stuff. Does it sit well with me and my digestive system? Absolutely not. <laughs> but when it goes in, Jesus, it's, it's beautiful. It's a blessing and I love it. So I think that's probably one of my things that I love the most is that kind of food. I love it. That's so funny. I know. Not <laughs> everything that we love loves us back. And sometimes hey. we just have to forgive. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, it's not forgiving. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zayda, it has been such a pleasure having you on Diversity Dish today. Thank you so much for being so open to talking and advocating for Black, trans, women, Black people, children. I, I hear it all in you and I just love everything you're doing. And I cannot wait to see when you have your, your agency, how it's going to go. Thank, Thank you, you so, 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 so much for having me on it. I really, really appreciate it. And just thank you for everyone who listens and everyone who participates or everyone who comes. You know, if you want to come talk to me, I don't bite. You know, if you want to come learn some stuff, come see some, come see my pages and my podcasts and my YouTube series, all that stuff. So thank you so much again for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. You radiate, you radiate the, the openness that, that I see. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'm going to put all your information in the show notes and I'm pretty sure people will come see you. So it's going to be good. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed that episode, please be sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, and share because it's no fun if your friends don't know what you're talking about. Join us next time when we'll be talking to Kelsey Menard about not fitting into boxes. See you then.